Welcome to the Catholic Sphere. Each week we have a different host and a different focus as we tackle topics important to Catholics around the globe. I'm your host this week, Father Joseph Mary. Today we'll be talking about the National Eucharistic Congress in July of 2024, the first one since 1976, and some of the events leading up to it. In particular, the Eucharistic pilgrimages taking place across the United States. Today we have with us Bishop Daniel E. Thomas, who is the Bishop of the Diocese of Toledo, Ohio. Timothy Glamkowski is the CEO of the National Eucharistic Congress. And Chanel Shaw is the route coordinator for two of the four Eucharistic pilgrimage routes. Bishop Thomas, how is this witness so important today, having these pilgrimages, having these events? Why is witness so necessary? Well, thank you. We obviously know that the word uh, witness is also the meaning of the word martyr. And of course, the martyrs were the first witnesses of the Catholic faith. And all of us as Catholics, as baptized Christians, are called to witness to our Catholic faith, strengthened by the Holy Eucharist. You know, St. Augustine was fond of saying that our life is a pilgrimage. We're all on pilgrimage, of course, toward heaven, and that we have no lasting home here. So I believe firmly that this time of Eucharistic revival is very much a time of witness. First of all, that we ourselves are inspired by the witness of others as they proclaim their faith in the Eucharist, they live it out. And also we give witness by the very pilgrimage itself. So this pilgrimage, the national pilgrimage is going to be witnessing to our brothers and sisters in the Catholic faith of other Christian faiths, people of no faith. And I think we've seen what that witness, that public witness of faith in the Holy yes. Eucharist can do. And I'm, I'm convinced that I know I, please God, will be inspired by the witness of others, countless laymen and women, brothers and sisters in the Lord who are religious and deacons and priests. I'm convinced that the whole family of faith will be witnessing to one another as we make this pilgrimage together. And of course, we pilgrimage to the Eucharistic revival where the highlight, of course, is mass, where heaven touches earth. Mm -hmm. And obviously, the pilgrimage end is ultimately heaven, which is what we experience in the Eucharist itself. Do you find that people are excited about this, that they're ready for something like this? I certainly believe that they are They are ready. I think the, the excitement is mounting. And I don't know about you, but whenever I was, when I was a young person, and even today, little children and folks become very enthusiastic about watching a parade, right? Yes. And parades in our hometowns are, are right. events of great enthusiasm. Well, this is not so much a parade, of course, it's a pilgrimage, but I think people will be inspired by it because it's not a parade, but its purpose is literally to represent our Catholic faith and to witness to Jesus present in the Eucharist and being held, you know, by the priest or the deacon in the monstrance. So it some people would say it's an ecclesiastical parade, but everyone loves a parade. And I think <laughs> for Catholics, we all love a pilgrimage. Timothy, you discussed or you talked about different elements 
that having a procession brings about. Uh, talk about that, if you would. Yeah, I think it's important to to kind of recognize, especially with something like the National Eucharistic Pilgrimage, which is a a huge planning effort and in, in which thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands, are people of people are going to be engaged. You know, really, what what what's the purpose? And, and I think it's exactly like Bishop Thomas said. I think it's a real witness to the truth that um, we believe that that uh, the bread and wine becomes the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. It's a it's a public witness to that fact. I, I also think uh, it strengthens the the faith of of the faithful themselves to sort of walk. Um, so it's evangelistic in that sense to walk with Jesus in the Eucharist. Um, I also think candidly, this action of the National Eucharistic Procession, these four routes, is. Mm-hmm. Uh, intercessory. Uh, in a cruciform form fashion, we're going to pray for our nation and, and yes. ask for, for the Lord to pour out his Holy Spirit and to, to reign, um, you know, in our hearts and and and, and to bring peace um, in so many different ways to our country, right? So I, I really think that um, it's all of this um, together that's really going to happen. You know, Father Landry was on this program some time ago talking about the procession they had in New York City and he really expected a lot more negative pushback. And he was actually quite surprised to see the reverence of people, people kneeling and so on. So I anticipate that the Lord's gonna be working in hearts maybe unexpectedly in unexpected ways uh, as well during this whole pilgrimage. Chanel, uh, talk about, if you would, the San Diego route, which is something very interesting to me because it's going to be passing through the Shrine of the Most Blessed Sacrament that Mother Angelica built here in Hansville, Alabama. Can you tell us about this southern route? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's it's a huge blessing. We will be um, having the Juan Diego route pass through um, Hansville, Alabama, as well as spend some time in Birmingham. And um, and we just it's it's so beautiful. I've had planning meetings with uh, the the directors there at the shrine, and it's just going to be a wonderful opportunity for the for the smaller group of pilgrims to be able to pray um, and just spend some time on that beautiful campus, um, as well as just have opportunities to encounter other people as they kind of move along on their pilgrimage. Um, and then our time in Birmingham as well will just be so beautiful. That whole area um, and just getting to encounter all of the good work that's happening at EWTN um, and uh, and just getting to spend time over there, I think will just be will just be so powerful for the young people that will be joining us as well as hopefully um, we'll get to share some good stories. Um, by the time that we get to y'all, they would have been walking for about a month. <laughs> wow. um, and so hopefully we'll get to share some good stories with you all. Um, but I also wanted to say that um, just, you know, speaking briefly on what the bishop and Tim uh, had shared just about encountering people that are not practicing their faith, maybe have fallen away or um, et cetera. We had a, a brief pilgrimage about a hundred miles in uh, from Fort Wayne to South Bend, Indiana. And during that time we had, we're walking through neighborhoods and, um, similar to kind of like a test pilgrimage for next summer. And so walking through neighborhoods and one of our stops was a local um, Protestant church just to use a restroom and have some snacks. And as we were walking through the neighborhood, the um, 
the congregation of the church had lives in that neighborhood and put signs in their yard welcoming the pilgrims to their church mm. and to their area and really didn't have any idea about what the Eucharistic pilgrimage is. You know, uh, uh, Father Stephen, the priest that was with us, was wonderful, was holding the monstrance and, you know, and we had walked like maybe 18 miles that day, <laughs> but it was just so awesome to be welcomed um, by our brothers and sisters in faith, um, as well as we had, you know, Catholics along that way as well that, you know, maybe had fallen away that saw us coming from the inside of their house and joined us for maybe a mile or two and some of them the whole way. So it's just, it will be an awesome opportunity, both ecumenically and I think like Tim has emphasized just locally for people to look out of their window and say, what is that? And then join mm -hmm. for as long as they want. I think that'll be great. We have another video from the U.S. Bishop's uh, Eucharistic Revival website. So we're going to see a clip from that as well now. On our life's journey, as we seek purpose and connection, we are called, called to place our faith and trust in something greater than our own understanding. We are called by someone who already loves us and offers himself to us, Jesus Christ, his body given daily, his blood poured out for us. We never journey alone in life. Through the Eucharist, we encounter his real presence and others who share our faith. Together, we become one with him in his very flesh. And when we bring his presence out into the world, we can be light for others. This is the gospel call to make disciples of all nations, laying down our lives for others. The time is now to unite our hearts with His for the life of the world. Bishop Thomas, I know in Philadelphia, I went to school actually there at St. Charles for a couple of years, and they have the 40 hours devotion. I'm sure that that impacted you when you were growing up uh, in your own devotion to the Eucharist. Could you maybe talk about that? Some of your own elements of your devotion. Surely, and Father, I, and I, I'm glad that we're fellow alumni of St. Charles <laughs> yes. Borromeo Seminary. Yes. And I can share with you that Growing up, I must say that the 40 hours devotion was very significant in our parish, and it was something that the parish looked forward to every year. Obviously, our, our viewers and listeners know that it was St. John Neumann, the fourth yes. bishop of Philadelphia, who started the 40 hours devotions, and they continue to this day in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. One of the things that was so striking was that the Eucharist was exposed literally for 40 hours and mm -hmm. people came to church to worship all through the night. And the other part of it was that every sector of the parish was involved in the final procession. So for example, you'd have the delighting of little children who were dressed in their first communion garb. And you would also have 
for example, priests who had lived in the parish and served the parish, they were invited back. And there was this deep, deep understanding of the priests providing the Eucharist and the joy of the people uniting again with the priests who had been able to offer mass for them in the parish. So they were opportunities of grace, opportunities of catechesis, and opportunities for coming together as families around Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament. Timothy, I know you've been involved in evangelization for so many years, and I'm sure that's one of the reasons that you were chosen to be the CEO of the Congress. Uh, could you talk about the importance of the Eucharist in evangelization? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think people miss this sometimes. They think because uh, the Eucharist is is something we receive, and it's it's a it's an act of worship to receive the Eucharist. It's um, an act of prayer to sit in adoration. It's, it's something that um, is seen as um, maybe just devotional. But um, the difference between Catholic evangelization and just um, you know, both in terms of its fruitfulness to to make uh, new disciples and to invite people to a relationship with Jesus, and, and the work of mission to sort of go out to the margins in a variety of different ways. What's characteristically Catholic about our efforts to do so is itself the fact that they flow from charity. Um, that that they we are transformed through an encounter with Jesus in the Eucharist, and then we go out. You think of Mother Teresa or St. Francis of Assisi, incredible Eucharistic saints, incredibly missionary, yes. right? And so we've lost that connection, I do think, as a church um, in, in some ways. And so I do think the Eucharistic revival is critical, especially in this time of the new evangelization where the church is being asked to, to reflect more deeply on her missionary identity, her identity to evangelize. Um, I think there's a, a critical tie in there. Could you talk about after the Congress is complete, that's the year of mission. Tell us about that. Yeah, the Congress is the climactic moment of the Eucharistic revival, but by no means the end. So it actually is the beginning, sort of the start of the year of mission, the third year of the revival. So year one was last year. It was focused on uh, leaders, the, di the diocesan year, <clears throat> and kind of big diocesan events. This year is the year of the parish, and it's about reaching Catholics in the pews. After that, uh, we're all going to be invited to go out and invite people back to um, to life, to life itself, and Jesus in the Eucharist. And so the Congress is really about the beginning of that work. We're, we're not just, again, gathering for the sake of gathering or, or to kind of, um, but in a triumphal way, but but really ultimately to, to say, to invite the Holy Spirit a new way into the church and to invite uh, the Lord to send us back out uh, filled um, with zeal for mission. So it's going to be great. It's going to be really focused on uh, sort of that personal work of evangelization, which is, uh, you know, the, the kind of work that happens best in relationships and, and inv invitation one-on-one. -on -one. And um, we have a great kind of vision we're building for that um, and have built for that with the USCCB as partners. Chanel, you grew up in what you describe as a wonderful Caribbean American family. Tell us about your own experience and how that impacted your own faith. Yes, um, <clears throat> my mother is from Jamaica and my dad and the rest of my extended family is from a small island, Antigua, um, right under Puerto Rico. And just mm -hmm. growing up, the faith for me was very um, just small and intimate. And I think um, both my familial experience as well as my small hometown experience here in Florida really offered me that I, I just saw Jesus as um, 
and my relationship with him very intimately. So especially in the Caribbean, in Antigua particularly, um, the churches are very small. And so there's a lot of um, beauty as people kind of naturally work in the um, choirs and you know, there's no air conditioning. So all the doors are open and all the windows are open and you just feel the like ocean breeze. And it's very intimate and small and very community oriented. So I think that really helped me growing up. I never felt like Jesus was out of reach to me, even in moments where my faith didn't exist. Um, There was always a tug um, didn't exist particularly. There was always a tug on my heart that Jesus was always there, um, which is why I think, um, you know, he was so generous with me um, during my particular conversion in high school. So, yeah. So growing up in my family, I think just being Caribbean, being from very small islands offered me a lot of perspective for how Jesus is just per- in person to person. And um, he never quite seemed out of reach to me. So it was really a blessing. I know you have in your heart as well a desire for unity among people and to break down those Mm. divisions that are there. How is Eucharist helpful for us in that endeavor? Yeah, absolutely. So in my um in my in my work outside of my work in the pilgrimage, I work um for an organization called the Before Gethsemane Initiative where we talk about racial reconciliation um within uh and help explain that um, and, uh, you know, work within that for people in the church. Um, so the we talk about the dignity of the human person, um, regardless of their uh, skin or cultural background. So it's just really important to me, that mission particularly. And I think that the Eucharist is a great unifier, right? So like the ultimate unifier. And um, I'm just excited. I know for me, as in my small town in Florida, growing up, was the only person of color um, in my youth group and my parish. And so it was just really important to me uh, to help foster that relationship with Jesus and others um, and foster that communal relationship, um, especially to other people of color in the church. So I think it's, Mm -hmm. it's a beautiful thing. And I think the Eucharist has power that transcends our understanding. And as someone that, you know, I mean, really just had such a, you know, a hard relationship accepting Jesus in my life uh, fully, uh, I think that Jesus wants all of us to come to him. And particularly, um, I know that when I had my encounter in the Eucharist uh, during adoration, I just... uh, I heard Jesus say, like, if I am in the Eucharist, like something in your life has to be different. And so I think for all of us, regardless of our cultural skin background, et cetera, ethnicity, Mm -hmm. um, have that same call. So I'm I'm very um, excited about that. And I think Jesus can do that. So now, Bishop Thomas, I know that you have a prayer. You have the whole diocese praying. Would you share that with us now? Surely I'd be delighted, Father, and thank you so much. And just to share that I, I, I'm hopeful that for all of our viewers and listeners, too, that the fullness of the Eucharist is evidenced in this prayer. And we have folks who have been praying this for some time, and we will continue to even through and after the Eucharistic Congress itself. So this is our diocesan prayer from the Diocese of Toledo for the Eucharistic Revival. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who promises to remain with us always and who is ever present to us in the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist. Reawaken our belief in his presence in the Eucharist and deepen our understanding of, love for, and living out of this great mystery. May this sacrament of his sacrificial love be for us the sign of unity and the bond of charity. Nourish us through our worthy reception of the body and blood of your Son so that we may enjoy communion with you and with one another. Make us living witnesses of your love and mercy throughout our local church. Send us forth as faithful missionary disciples, strengthened by the grace of the Eucharist to proclaim the gospel, so all may know that the living bread Jesus gives is his flesh for the life of the world. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Bishop, where does your joy and enthusiasm come from? <laughs> <laughs> from the Lord. People often ask me that, where do you get your energy? And I say, yes. we, we call it the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You're a beautiful witness, and we appreciate you being on the program. Timothy, talk about um, some other elements that you find uh, important on this uh, upcoming year and the going out on mission. What are some other your thoughts that you have? Yeah, happy to. I think um, to kind of summarize all of this, where I see the Eucharistic revival of importance for the church right now is um, this this call to the new evangelization. We're living in uh, what some have called sort of a, a transition point, right, from from a kind of a Christendom time uh, where where culture was sort of inherently keeping people um, in in touch with the gospel, and there were there were sort of these cultural cultural touch points that were created sort of a stickiness in Catholic culture and the statistics of decline we're seeing in the church, I think represent the fact that we're, we're entering into sort of a new apostolic era where the church is going to be asked with evangelistic energy to really become equipped and adequate again at, at inviting people to a life-giving, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so all of that is not something, in my opinion, we just conjure up or do on our own but a gift we receive from Jesus in the Eucharist. And so I think the Eucharistic revival in total is about that. And a lot of people ask, you know, what are we being asked to do? And again, the, the, the vision for the bishops was for this to never be just a program or a, or a checklist, a, a four-step process. But there are sort of principles that we're inviting every parish, every school, every family to consider. How are we uh, inviting people to a personal encounter? How are we providing them sincere and robust formations, sort of a depth of catechesis that shows that the faith is reasonable, rational, and uh, and biblical, believable, right? How are we uh, really reinvigorating worship and focusing on a liturgical renewal within uh, the Eucharistic revival? And then ultimately, how, how is all of it about sending missionaries for the life of the world? And so under those four principles or those pillars, um, we think there's a lot of room for discernment there for each local community. So Chanel, um, I'm sure this program and the previous program that we did is going to inspire many people to get involved. How can they get involved in being part of these Eucharistic pilgrimages? Absolutely. So, <clears throat> so 
many ways. Um, but I think the primary ways would be um, the website that Tim mentioned earlier. Um, it has information about the pilgrimage that will be updated um, fairly often. And um, there will be, for every diocese that we go through, there will be um information regarding the different events in each diocese. So I definitely encourage you um, and anyone listening um, and watching to check out the website and um, check if your diocese is on the walking route. If it is not, then that's also okay because we um, are happy to have people from different dioceses um, kind of jump in to a route if it's near you. Um, we'd love to have you walk with us, whether you walk for a mile or you walk for the whole 15. Um, we'd love to have you join us um, as well as, um, you know, we're just excited to uh spend some time with everyone at the Congress as at our conclusion. So if we don't see you on the walking pilgrimage during the um, the two months, we're excited to see you, um, especially during the Congress. So, but the website would be where I'd point everyone. I know your hope is that it will help others to have an encounter with Jesus. How has that changed your own life, Chanel? Oh, yes. So, I mean, um, as I mentioned briefly earlier, I, um, you know, growing up, I just didn't really have much of a, a deep relationship with Jesus. I, I knew that he was uh, intimately close to me, but relationally, I just kind of uh, didn't really pay much attention to it, uh, as sometimes young people do. So uh, as I got older, I had an opportunity during prayer and adoration, during a retreat that I begrudgingly attended. Um, to, you know, just really hear the Lord's voice through people around me and through my time in prayer. And, um, and it just, it really impacted me in a particular way to change my life. If Jesus, like Tim mentioned earlier, if Jesus is real and rational and biblical mm -hmm. and here, um, <laughs> then that means that my life had to be different and I couldn't keep living the way that I was. So, um, so it just really helped me particularly. And, um, and Jesus, I always tell everyone, took my little yes and just uh -huh. like my door was open just a little bit. And Jesus just he'll never force himself on us. But he just waited for my door to open just a little and uh, and went right in there. So now I'm, I'm really blessed for sure. You are a beautiful witness. Bishop, I'd uh, invite you to maybe give us a couple of closing thoughts and a blessing if you would. Thank you so much, Father. I, one thing we didn't focus on, I think, was simply the theme of our Eucharistic revival, and that is my flesh for the life of the world. Mm. And Jesus desires us to be filled with his life. And for those of us who are believers, we believe that he can do it, that he does do it, and that he is doing it in the Holy Eucharist. So, I think all of us, and I'm so grateful to have been on this panel, thank you for the opportunity to be with and to get to know Timothy and Chanel, because I know that Jesus desires to fill us with his life, and that life most sacramentally and most profoundly comes to us in his living flesh, in his body and blood. So our prayer together is that his flesh for the life of the world may be the message that goes out and the clarion call for this time of National Eucharistic Revival as it continues and through and after the pilgrimage next summer. And your blessing, please. Sure. 
The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit come upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Thank you all for being on a wonderful show today that I'm sure it's going to inspire many people to be part of this wonderful Eucharistic revival. And thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week here on The Catholic Sphere with host Debbie Cowden. God bless you.